Hello, and welcome to Attack of the Queer Wolf. I'm Nay. I'm Michael. <laughs> <laughs> You're Mark, and I'm Michael. <laughs> hey. Hey. Hey, long day. This huh? is what happens when Mark doesn't get to eat lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Mark is hangry tonight. I'm, I'm a little hangry. So. There's a lot of reasons to be hangry today. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And anger is not irrational, so we're going to let you have that. Thank you. Yeah, and, and let's get you some food. That's fine. You, you know what? I can cut up that cake. No. True, I did bring a cake tonight. This iceberg lettuce and diet Pepsi <laughs> is going to sustain me. I have a gram of salt in my car if you See, want it. I don't have any patience for either of y'all with that. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, by now y'all know who we are. We are the Token Queers at Blumhouse. And tonight we're coming to you from the inside of my hometown gay bar. Aww. I know. It's where I saw my first drag show and I thought oh. it would be appropriate for tonight if we, you know, recorded from inside there. What was it called? It's called Chester Street. Ooh. It's in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. Where we and, are right now. Yes, where we are right now. <laughs> and the cover was $3 and the drag shows on Sunday night popping. That's mm. awesome. Yeah, so good. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I liked what they did with the lighting. Yeah, well, welcome. <laughs> the drink specials. <laughs> the drinks are so cheap in these little plastic cups. Mm. I know. I'm know. here for it. And isn't that my aunt over there on the stage dancing? It is. Hometown, <laughs> little hometown bar. Aww. Do they yeah. serve food for Mark? No, sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Drink my dinner again. Just cocaine and cigarettes. Sorry. <laughs> it's a dinner. It's okay. <laughs> Well, each week we pick a chestnut from the horror canon to discuss and decide once and for all where that movie lives on the Kinsey scale. We'll check out everything from splatter to supernatural, honor the worthy, and drag the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, but tonight is a little bit special. Why is tonight more special than any other night? Hi, Brennan. <gasps> Producer Brennan. <laughs> Hi. Well, we have a really, really, really special guest with us here tonight. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Do you want to introduce yourself? I love him. Uh, well, greetings and welcome, Blumhouse. This is Michael Verratti. Everyone knows that voice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the host of Dead for Filth, and I am happy to join uh, the Queer Wolf team tonight for a conversation. We're so glad you're here, Michael. I'm so excited to be here. I love, uh, it's like the, it's the the queer podcast Avengers bringing it together. (laughs) We're a Voltron of queerness. Are we DC or Marvel? Mm. I mean... I have thoughts Queerable? on that. Queerville. Yeah. Yeah. DC, ha- DC handles LGBTQ characters better. Fair. Okay. Yep. Okay. Whereas Marvel doesn't handle exist. them at all. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Uh, well. I keep waiting for a Midnighter movie. It's me not too. going to happen. Yeah. Twelve and never. He's, uh, he's aggressive though. He is aggressive. He's my kind of guy. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's well, dumb. There's he nothing is. wrong, you know, when you know if he knows, knows what he wants in a good way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. open that door. Nothing wrong with that. As long no. as he's not hurting anybody. No, exactly. No, no. no. We're all okay I, with I it. I think Nay and I have the exact same blink stare on our faces. <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretending. I'm like, oh, I thought I was hiding. That. <laughs> Listen, you know, he's on the right side of history. Cool. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. You and Ken's what? here too. Yeah, Ken is here. Oh, hi, Ken. Ken, my dog, Ken. Back says again. hello, everybody. Back for more. Um, well, at the top of our show, we like to do um, a little tea time, figure out what all of us have been watching or reading since we last saw each other. Um, so I would love to hear from all of you what you've been munching on. Who's going to kick it off? I'll start because I actually tweeted about it this week and Mr. Verratti replied. Oh. Did I? I no. started Channel Zero. Oh, yeah. Which Channel Zero is great. Yeah, I can't yeah. believe I I knew about it for, I mean, it's been three years now, right? Mm-hmm 
season four, I think, starts at the end of October. And I don't know why I slept on it, but it's fucking awesome. <laughs> and, you know, fucking great. Queer Horror Connection, uh, John Mancini, creator of Chucky, wrote a number of episodes yeah. for a couple seasons. Yeah, he was a consulting producer, I think, on season one. I think I've heard of him. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was in just a few weeks ago. Great. Love Don. And, uh, Remember that, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Hi, like Don. Burned in my brain. <laughs> Don was great. We yeah. met with Don. We talked about the hunger and who he is. Just rad. He's yeah, the yes. best. He was so much fun to hang out with. So fun. We're all big fans of his. And I'm a big fan of Channel Zero. It's really, have you guys seen it? Mm-mm. Okay, nope. so it was on. it's on Sci-Fi. <clears throat> and season one is on Shudder right now. And I think season two drops on Shudder. It might have today, actually. Um, it's a horror anthology series uh, created by Nick Antosca. And each season he takes a creepypasta and creates a six-episode arc for it essentially around it and season one is about this guy who's like a psychologist is that what he is it's like a psychologist now and 22 years earlier his twin brother essentially disappeared but they labeled him as a victim of uh, a killer that killed five people in town all children but it's all based around this kid's show called candle cove which is like super fucked up puppetry and it was only on for a couple months and you get a sense that like it might not have been a real show. It was a show the kids were seeing when they were looking at their TV. All right, I'm in. Yeah, and I don't want to say much more than that and I haven't finished season one, but it's so fucking good. All right. It's just so dark and weird and the tooth person, there's a person just covered in teeth, which is terrifying because teeth freak me the hell out. Um, but it's good to have them. Yeah, I mean, I love. <laughs> generally. I'm glad I have all 32 teeth. I'm very happy about that. It's a lot of white strips. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Girl, I've been going to the dentist like once a week for the past five weeks. Oh, no, I think that, that if you really like atmosphere, like Channel, mm-hmm. uh, Channel Zero, really is a show that it curates a uh, atmosphere very well. Uh, yes. It's sort of uh, essentially Canadian horror story because it's an anthologized. Oh, that's a really great uh, way to put it. Uh, yeah, it's an anthologized show where each season is a brand new story, uh, and they're, it's a Canadian production. So mm, I kinda... Now you have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always a big fan of anything set in Ohio, and season one is set in Ohio. No, it's mm. not. It's set in Canada. Listen to Michael. Listen to our guest. They call it Iron Hills, Ohio in the town. I, I, I'm... But it's clearly not shot in Ohio. No, it's shot in <laughs> Manitoba. <laughs> yeah. See? Think. See? But it's the Ohio of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Angry. Anyway, um, so yeah, I've been watching that. Anybody else, Mark? What? Don't hit me! <laughs> uh, okay, yes. I uh, recently started watching, I am halfway through, um, a sh- new show on uh, Amazon Prime called Forever, mm. created by Alan Yang and uh, co-starring Maya Rudolph and uh, Fred Armisen. Maya Rudolph is... A goddamn national treasure. She is... um, I don't understand exactly why she's not sort of this all-present sort of comedy figure, like, always in our face, like Kristen Wiig or Amy Poehler or whatever. It boggles the mind as to, like, why. I mean, is it just that she's... Maybe she doesn't do as much. Maybe she's just like, I'm married to Paul Thomas Anderson and I have you know, gorgeous <laughs> children and my life is perfect and I don't need to run around for approval. But my God, 
Um, she is great. This show <laughs> is so good. It is impossible to describe without spoiling it. It is a show that doesn't actually reveal to you what its premise is until episode three. Mm. But when it does, uh, I don't know if you'll be like me, but my jaw was on the floor. And it is exactly the kind of work that, um, you know, Fred Armisen is wonderful and he's definitely delivering here, but Maya Rudolph gets to flex all her muscles in this show. It She is hysterically funny. She is heartbreaking and she is incredible i it is and and the show is genre adjacent that Interesting. is like, that is the most uh specific i can get about the plot without uh spoiling any of it but i i got to tell you got to watch it it's so so freaking it's good. definitely in my my queue to watch highly recommend she is so great though you're right she's amazing uh, have have any of you ever seen her Prince cover band, Princess? Yes. yes. Oh, it's so good. I saw Princess, Princess perform yeah. uh, the night before the inauguration, and it was like so... Needed? Yeah, cathartic. <laughs> and she knew. She was just like, you better dance tonight because the end of the world is tomorrow. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I was like, girl, deliver us with uh, purple. I love her comedy because it's so weird. <laughs> In a way, mm-hmm. and you mentioned Amy Poehler and Kristen Wiig and even Tina Fey. I feel like you make a good point there because her comedy is so unique and different compared to them where I feel like Tina, Amy, and Kristen, they're all great and brilliant, but I feel like they all kind of play in the same sandbox. Mm-hmm. And Maya's off in like a bowl of jello instead. Like she's playing <laughs> in just a different, weirder area. In, and it's just in forever it's she is smart. playing in an existential sandbox oh, that it's is so like, great. She plays with the Molly Shannon sandbox. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, actually, yeah. It's sort yeah. of typically the same school. So um, anyway, run, don't walk. <laughs> what are you guys watching? Oh, uh, well, you know, I'm a weirdo and I love weird stuff. Uh, you? Regular listeners of my show know that I'm a big enthusiast of TV movies. Not only do I work in that space uh, outside of the world of Dead for Filth, but I also watch them a lot. Mm. And I love a good throwback TV movie. And I've been uh, diving deep into the, the 70s recently because there was this whole kind of glut of genre horror uh, made for television films that were just kind of astounding. You know, obviously we know about Trilogy of Terror with Karen Black and, and movies like that. But then uh, there was this really great one I watched recently called uh, The Victim <coughs> with Elizabeth Montgomery, and she plays this sort of she she woman who lives in uh, San Francisco and. Her sister is like having some white lady meltdown, and she's just like, "I'm just gonna run up to Marin and visit her and see what's up." But like, the, the sister dies like in the teaser before she even gets there, and it's like ninety minutes of Elizabeth Montgomery wandering around a house while the dead body of the sisters in the basement and the killers like lurking around. You'd think that would be boring, and yet, oh, so there's like that's it. Yeah, on amazing the edge of my seat. I'm like, where where are yeah where are my TV movies? Of like, where's where, where's that CBS? Where's that now? Uh, I miss like the Monday Night Movie on NBC. Exactly. Yeah, uh, those were so great in the nineties. And there was like, well, the nineties era of TV movies, like especially All like the college high school ones. But USA Network used to do real salacious uh-huh. ones, like uh, you know the Cabin by the Lake with Jed Nelson, yes. where he was putting the bodies and underwater, the yep. uh, or uh, Buried Alive with Tim Matheson and Jennifer Jason Lee, where she like poisons him with blowfish <laughs> like gel. 
because that's a fucking thing. That's a thing. Um, <laughs> she has an outfit in every scene in that movie. Like that, I think it was in the contract. She's like, I'll do it. I, I, miss, but, I, miss, when, <laughs> I miss when the Lifetime movies were like really good. Like my, when, there was one I remember that was um, I was really good. It was called Chasing the ja- uh, the Dragon with Marky Post from Night Court, <laughs> and she played a suburban mom uh, who was like freebasing as soon as she like sent her kids off to uh, school and like well. the spirit then in the half bath. Oh my god. <laughs> God. Oh my bad. god! It was I'm good. Love the Nancy McKeon ones from the eighties. Mm. I uh, I'm always down to rock a spelling. Honestly, oh, yeah. anytime Tori Death of a cheerleader, yeah. Death of a cheerleader, uh, Mother May I Sleep with Danger, uh, and the infinitely uh, sublime Coed Call Girl. Uh, you yeah. just gave me that, that one. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, everything you need to know is in the title. What's is there? She had to pay for college. And she found a way. Is Mother uh, May I Sleep with Danger the one with? Um, <laughs> is Mother May I Sleep with Danger the one with uh, what's his name? Ian or not Ian Ziering, but oh shit! Uh, is Sharon Lawrence? Is that the same one? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's then, one where then, Sharon the, Lawrence is sleeping with her daughter's hu- uh, boyfriend too, who's like 19, mm. and it's Brian Austin Green. Look, I oh, mean, there's, so many good there's ones. just like a, a, a marathon, and of they're all on YouTube. Can. And the Look, guy that is them. Ivan Sergei. Yes, thank you. That's what oh, I was yeah. trying to think. Ivan Sergei of the opposite of sex fame. Yes, mm-hmm. he's very good. Do you want to hear my impression of Mark? Yeah. That's um, a Lacroix. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Mark's angry. Remember, Brennan? I'm not angry. <laughs> yeah, tread lightly. Honestly. No, I love it. <laughs> I'm not. I feel like I'm like John, uh, John, no. C- John Cusack at the end of Adam's no, Family Values. Like, goes like, I am adorable. I am lovable. Whatever the line is. Like, she's like, I'm Malibu Barbie. <laughs> you, are, you are so lovable. You're one of oh my, my favorite Oh my God. People. No, and I do love that. Like, even your passive listening is kind of sassy. Oh. Like, mm mm-hmm. <laughs> God, I'm really funny. getting to know myself in this podcast. I really had no Mark, idea. You're a wonderful human being. Yeah. Okay, all right. All right. All right. All right. Right. Everyone relax. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, what are you watching? Uh, I binged uh, American Horror Story Colt. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. You finally got to watch that. All of it, it or all of it? Because it uh, it came out on Netflix like a week after oh, Apocalypse. Of... Apop- Apocalypse came oh, out. Oh, okay. Yeah, I always wait it's a year. One, right? That's right. <laughs> until okay. It comes out I on get Netflix. Yeah, and it was amazing. Sarah Paulson is she's brilliant. Oh my god! I can't wait to see what she does with <coughs> Nurse, uh, Nurse Ratched. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, right? Yeah. She's isn't she playing Nurse Ratched? Please tell me I have that right. I think you're right. Okay. Let's in, just put it into the universe. She's in <laughs> Glass too, right? Yes, she is. Which is exciting. Correct. Yeah. So she was amazing. Think? She plays a lesbian. God bless her. As a lesbian, plays a lesbian as. <laughs> The dream. The dream. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lesbian play in lesbians. Um, and it's it's so good. And I, I love cults. I love like anything Having culty. To do with, okay. Because, you know, I kind of grew up in one, or I feel like I did. Mm, yeah. <laughs> cult of Jesus. Really? Evangelical Christianity is a cult? God, I had. <laughs> I know. I'd never. Mind blowing. I would never think of it that way. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Especially not after today. Yeah, no. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah. So it's um, really, really, really good. Oh. I liked it a lot. All right, awesome. Yeah. Oh, you know what else I watched? Actually, has anyone else watched this? Uh, Jane Fonda, uh, Life in Five Acts. No, on HBO. I was just hoping you were gonna be like the Jane Fonda workout tape. I'm like, <laughs> yes, 
every day since 1986. <laughs> Those head rolls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, protesting war and getting abs of steel. I, I, would, I would absolutely watch the hell out of that workout tape. But um, it's a really, really um, kind of wonderful documentary. It is mind-boggling the life that she's led and the things that she stands for and it's just it's really it's it's pretty extraordinary and it's on hbo go or now or whatever version you steal your parents password (laughs) for to watch so you know feel free check it out okay i say so that sounds great oh i also watched revenge oh hell yeah you did did so so good i love that movie i'm really glad of course that i didn't watch the trailer before. oh yeah oh were you thinking of the tv show i was i was I like mean, the, the madeline shows. stowe television <laughs> series like, you're weird and I, <laughs> no i was i was that's in. fantastic I was, like too. ready to slide in i'd be like let me tell you about the work madeline did on that show <laughs> but no no okay yes yeah the revenge thriller also yes. also awesome yeah yeah it's amazing the show it's, the show's great but the movie's fantastic yes. oh my god yeah. There's literally a shot of an apple that will strike fear into your heart. <laughs> so much blood. Ugh. Like they and have like conference room sized blood in their It's body. amazing. <laughs> and I also love how, um, I don't know that woman's name, the main star. Um, Matilda Ingrid Lutz. Yes. So every other movie, I feel like if it had this revenge vibe to it, you're like, but I still don't understand why this woman is wearing that in the middle of the desert. Like, why is she dressed like that? Why is this her like ass kicking outfit? But this movie, it actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And directed by a female. I think that's, you know, when you look at that film in the context of who directed it, everything just falls so into good. place because it has, it has a purpose as opposed to being gratuitous. Yeah. Um, and right now, I hope everybody who hasn't seen Revenge go fucking watch it. Yeah. You'll feel so good when oh, you yeah. do. Perfect for and I'm today. not a huge rape revenge viewer. Like I I'm not I usually don't flock to those movies. Mm-hmm. But I'm really glad I saw this and I saw it in a theater. Nice. It was oh. amazing. Yeah. Revenge, I spit on a grave. If it feels like a big mood for today. If yeah. for for anyone for tuning context, in. Yeah. Today were the Kav- uh, the Kavanaugh hearings, which moving on. Yeah, um so I watched the <laughs> I watched the original The Fly from nineteen fifty eight. That was creepy as it's fucking hell. Creepy as hell. Like there's only like two special effects scenes in that movie. Mm-hmm. But I think they with the five dollars that they had for the rest of the movie, they had some pretty good tension building in it, like literally just with a blanket over the dude's head. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Ken is making the rounds. Oh that's so cute. <laughs> Oh, Ken. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, Ken. Bye, Ken. Okay. Um, Ken, stay away from Mark. Come over. Come here. (laughs) But that movie, speaking of, is super French-Canadian. It's set in Montreal. And everyone calls each other Monsieur, even though they're Vincent Price or whatever. Kind of an odd choice in retrospect. Yes. Kind of love it, though. Where did you check it out on? I saw it on Amazon. It was like three bucks. Oh, it's on Amazon. Yeah. Or as it's Um, known in my homeland, La Mouche. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a better title. Um, But your home planet? Is that what you said? His homeland. My homeland. Oh, okay. Um, No, but, and there's such, look, um, (laughs) 
I, everybody just gang up on me today. No, it's fine. No, no. It's fine. I can take it. I was trying to bring up French <laughs> Canada so you'd feel comfortable and at home. Thank you. Um, but I did want to say, I understand that it's a privilege that I can think this kind of thing is campy, but it's very 1958. Like, there's literally a line where the kid's like, well, mom told me to release this fly, but then, like, an hour later, she wanted me to catch it. But, you know, she changed her mind. You know how women are. <laughs> and it's just like, this is a six-year-old kid. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay, so this is, they started him young back yeah, then. got him young. It's, still that wasn't great. Ugh. But to reverse that, also watched the Cher SOS music video about a hundred times. Mm. Have not seen yet. It, she's not in it because you know Cher has better things to do than be in her own music videos. Oh, God, I just want her to um, never stop tweeting. But it's a lot of it's a lot of like famous and semi-famous women lip-syncing to her cover of SOS. Yeah, like Betty Who's in it. Yeah, right? Betty yeah. Who's in it, and it's basically an ode to how tall and magnificent Betty Who is. She is pretty um, amazing. amazing. But Lauren Weedman is in it. She played Doris on Looking. Mm-hmm. Um, she's oh, so yeah. Yeah. And um, Sabrina Jalise, who's a lesbian comedian, and a bunch of people. And it's basically just them hugging in front of a sunset, but it's well, I fun. feel so empowered by it at the same time. Hey. It, I love it a lot. Do we think Cher saw it? <laughs> No. <laughs> Cher doesn't even know she, she has like, an album dropping. She's like, what was that video dropped? Oh, wow. I'll get to it. And then she goes, whose song is this? <laughs> she tweeted some very loving things about the members of ABBA this week. So she, you know, yeah. She's loving her life yeah. right now, yeah. and she was loving the fact that she... As she said, she had like a thirty-second cameo in Mamma Mia too. Oh, um, but she, she's the best she's, kind of party little girl. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she seemed to really appreciate that she was a part of that movie, and I love oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she did more thumping for that movie than some people do that star and shit. Uh, speaking of other gay icons, Robin also dropped new music this week. Mm, yes. And now, okay, so she finally drops rate. Honey after like I don't know, like legions of homosexuals have been like mewling for it. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since she she gave Lena Dunham Dunham a, a cut of it to play during the credits of one of the final episodes of Girls, and I love the song, but I also am like, but I want that version that was in the end credits, and <laughs> it's Girls. not yeah, and it's really and I feel like it's a like bit a of a heretic. Edit? I feel like a heretic this week, where everyone was like, the honey's so good, and I was like, but yeah, yeah, well, it's good. Yeah, yeah. I like that Robin just. Returns to us every so often. She's a very fast. Yeah, she disappears, and then it's sort of like that scene in the second Lord of the Rings movie, whatever it was called, uh, where they're just like, "Look to the east as the sun rises, and I'll be there." And it's like fucking Robin, and I'm like, wow, this <laughs> like just when I think we have hit our darkest moment, <laughs> Sweden. I I'm just ready for her, you know, to she's, save us. She's so great. I yeah. could really use another Carly Rae Jepsen song right about now. Uh, Thank you. Well, maybe if you were nicer to people from Canada, <laughs> like Carly Rae. When was I mean? <laughs> Someone oh get Mark God. some cake. <laughs> I am so excited that Michael is here. Me and too. I'm really yeah. excited. It makes perfect sense that Michael would pick the film he picked because Absolutely. Michael is such a gatekeeper of genre, of queer culture, of he's such a mind and such a resource. He's a wiki. He's a human wiki <laughs> of of. Anything having to do with genre and queer culture, and so it's. I find it really exciting that we get to talk about an admittedly, you know, horror adjacent yes. title today yeah. with uh, with you. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like. Does anybody have any last thoughts before we uh, play reveal? Well, I'm. I just need you to. 
introduced me everywhere. That's right? So right? nice. But he's lovely. not wrong. So nice and lovely. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You're a Veratopedia. I just <laughs> thought of that. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to buy the. I'm going to buy that do- domain. I feel, name I feel like I'm sorry, Michael. It's Veratopedia. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, without further ado, uh, the film that Michael picked this week is the 1991 drag opus Vegas in Space. And Brennan? See, brave young men swap their sex to go undercover as go-go girls from Earth. Thrilled to a savage meteor shower. Behold, the Empress's off-world slumber party. A glittering soiree attracting queens and princesses from across the universe. Jazz, but secret agents performing a traditional mid-20th century lounge act. These strange sights and more await on Vegas in Spain. <laughs> wow. Uh, that guy who does the VO did the VO for every trauma release in the 80s. So whenever I hear that voice, I can just automatically like hear him be like, he was a 90-pound weakling from New Jersey. He's a toxic <laughs> Avenger. <Yeah. laughs> it's such a great... It just goes so well with trauma. Yeah. His VO. Um, That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Lloyd. Good night, everyone. (laughs) So, Michael, I mean, just, just, uh, I know that we would all be really interested in hearing, you know, what sort of drove you to want to choose this particular title to discuss with us today. And, you know, and what is it about it that you want to, you know, sort of point out to an audience that, you know, probably, you know, unfortunately probably hasn't heard of it. Sure. Uh, You know, what's interesting about this movie is I've been uh, kind of just just sounding the alarm about this film for a very, very long time. And uh, when uh, I had dinner with Michael a a couple months ago, he he had brought up uh, the list of potential movies you were all discussing and uh, we were talking, you know, like with the common connection of the the intersection of queer identity and horror and a lot of the work that I do. I, of course, have thoughts on many different films. <laughs> and so he was showing me the list, and I saw Vegas in Space. And I even remember saying at dinner, I was like, well, I'm both happy this is on the list right. and, and mad this is on the list because I have to pick this movie. Right. Because yeah, I... It caused you to be conflicted, like, immediately. Yeah, because <laughs> I... Um, and I, we can get into it over the course of this discussion, but I've been very involved in... Uh, just keeping the history of this film. Uh, I I and a few other people have worked on events. Uh, I wrote an article for the film's 20th anniversary that was a very comprehensive uh, oral history with some of the surviving cast members. Peaches Christ. It was amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it really was. It is. Uh, And for the 25th anniversary, Peaches Christ and I co-produced an event uh, for the Frameline Film Festival where we screened the movie in San Francisco and uh, we had all of the surviving cast members come uh, and we screened it in San Francisco, as well as we had an original drag pre-show with drag queens from San Francisco playing characters from the movie. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, and, that's super cool. you know, in addition to just being a big fan of this film, it is sort of a singularity in, in queer cinema history because it's a genre movie that is comprised entirely of drag queens that was made in the 80s, right. uh, was released in 1991, and uh, when I first saw it, it was on USA Up All Night. It was hosted by Rhonda Shearer. Was it really? Yeah, it's screened on USA Up All Night. That is oh, so great. And one <laughs> thing that I miss that. I always yeah. say about how significant this movie is, even if it's sort of like an underground moment for people or like lesser seen, uh, is that if you were a queer kid in 1992 and you're flipping through the channels and all of a sudden you land on this bizarre fucking yeah. film of drag queens 
in space. <laughs> I mean, but here's here's the deal. We laugh at it, but there were not drag queens on television in 1992. Not at all. Right. There Ever. weren't queer people on television no. in 1992. Yeah. So for 90 glorious minutes on one Friday night, like they put it. the gayest movie <laughs> in a time when dra- when drag was not even in vogue. Because this came out before Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. This was back when oh, gay yeah, men thought that, the drag yeah. gave the community a bad name. Yeah. And so it was sort of like there is a, a culture behind this movie be, for people who saw it. And Peaches Christ, uh, who I mentioned, uh, has been very involved in preserving the history as well. She saw that airing as well. And it was one of the motivating factors when she moved to San Francisco to go there, knowing that this culture oh, of underground punk rock drag existed. And... Um, it's just the fact that it is a genre film. There is horror influence in it uh, that comes directly from Philip R. Ford, who is the filmmaker. But the movie itself has kind of a very fascinating trajectory. But the fact that the movie, it came out in 1991, but they started making it eight years previous. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the history of the movie, there is this whole art scene that exists in San Francisco that is wild and unruly and people are just creating characters and like they got away from from the oppressive homes that they lived in and got to reinvent themselves. You know, this this hustler from Australia becomes Doris Fish, the most glamorous woman in, in the world. Or mm. and yet uh there there was this whole circle of people and it's just, you know, everything happened. Drugs. AIDS. You know, there there was a serial killer at one point. Like their lives were so crazy, right? That this movie is just sort of like the yearbook that captures that moment, and it's a moment in queer culture that, like, I think a lot of younger LGBTQ people, even though we still have so much more to do, right, don't know about. Well, while yeah. watching it, you get a sense, like, based off what you just said. When I was watching it, I now get a sense that. For them to make this movie, it was like really probably the only time at that time that they had a safe space to go to at all times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the cast and the crew, everybody there is either was either a drag queen, probably mm-hmm. queer, ally, one or you know what I mean? So like looking at it more than just a film, it's like these people are going to play in a playground that they can finally claim as their own right. without prejudice, without rejection, without being judged. And like I just got the chills because I when I'm watching the movie, I didn't think about any of this shit. Well, when speaking of playground, I mean what's astonishing is that like at this time, right, the, the world of drag specifically and certainly queer culture was sort of looked at not only by you know our own community, but then the community, uh, the the human community, straight community, uh, as being sort of degenerate mm-hmm. and what have you. And in, over the course of eight years, this group of actors is devoting themselves to what is essentially a, child, a children's theater. Yeah, it is absolutely like a children's movie. It's very for PBS edgy. Gay people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I mean, and yeah, there are certainly like buttons that are pushed and things that like maybe by today's <coughs> lens are problematic, but I think it's in the same way that we watch Divine in John right. Waters. Like mm-hmm. we know there's a drag humor of the era that was 
pushing buttons, and, I, and Mark really hit the, the nail on the head, is that there was a moment, especially during, during the Reagan era, where the queer community was so desperately vying for equality that we just wanted... Just to live. Yeah, just to live. That we just wanted middle America to be like, hey, we're just like you. And we wanted to sell the idea that we want the same things that you want. We want the mm. house, we want the picket fence, we want the dog. We all have year. our own little store. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like, you know, now living out loud and creating your own identities, we realize like we want equality, but we don't necessarily want those things. We just want to be able to do things our way. But there, in that moment, drag was looked down upon because it represented this queerness that the the mainstream gay community was trying so hard to sell they were trying to sell this image to middle America that drag didn't fit into or that homosexuality did not equal uh, effeminacy yes i mean there's a there's baseline misogyny to the whole thing oh yes uh, top to bottom yeah no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> wow it's it's you know that article that you wrote i feel like that is the content i've been craving my whole life. And mm. while you, before you finish, is, is it okay if we post that? Because I feel like it's a piece that people should read. Yeah, I yeah. mean, as far as so, I know that that article specifically has actually been taught in some LGBTQ yeah, film classes. Uh, and uh, it originally was created uh, for PeachesChrist.com because Peaches and I uh, have a long partnership. Uh, and in friendship, and she had uh, asked me to create articles for her site, and that was one of the first ones I really, really wanted to do. And it did, uh, you know, it was, I'm so proud of it because it did preserve that history. And Nay, you felt it was, it's like content you're craving now? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I feel, you know, I'm always struck by how um, we, us sitting here are contributing to history, of course. But then you (laughs) you read, you know, we are, but you read that article and I'm like thinking about, you know, the, the queer punk rock drag scene here in LA. Yeah. And, which is, is gorgeous and amazing, and I'm a big fan. And I don't know, I think about all of us making community and fighting for whatever it is that we're fighting for now, but not, I wouldn't have thought, I wouldn't have inserted myself into like this kind of historical narrative. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought of like, you know, until I read that and thought like, oh, you know, this is, this is what we do. Right. Like, this is what queer folks do. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And they were literally just making something that they thought was fun that represented themselves, but they were you know, just trying to live their lives. Yeah. And what's really great about what you said about the queer uh, punk rock scene of L.A. and, and just j- this is what we do. When I say the history of this movie is so rich, it's one of the moments that's very, very key to the movie happened after the movie came out. Uh, there was a very famous drag venue here in Los Angeles called Drag Strip 66. And it was a very, uh, it was an underground kind of phenomenon that many people would go to. It was once a month. Uh, and it was curated by a uh, drag queen named Gina Lotriman, who is now Mr. Dan, who runs the uh, Casita del C- Theater in the basement of a Mexican restaurant here in Los Angeles. <laughs> but he kind of has his own little stake in, in queer history. But when Vegas and Space came to LA to screen in Los Angeles, it was right after. Uh, the LA riots and the circumstances uh, with Rodney King happened. (coughs) And so they, uh, and by they I mean the man, the authorities were worried that other minority groups were going to uh, cause trouble and riot. For the screening? Yeah, No, just in general. Just in general. And so Giorgio's, which was hosting Drag Strip 66 uh, at the time, for the first time in 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 the party's history, 
got uh, busted up by the police. They were said like, "This isn't fire code," and they they had pushed all the all the the LGBTQ people out on the street. And that was the night they were hosting a premiere party for Vegas in space. So there's actually, as the police are pushing people out into the street, there are pictures of Philip Ford and Miss X in the kitchen of, of that place, surrounded by like an, uh, LAPD and firefighters. And that same night, Mr. Dan in full drag gets up on the roof of a car with a bullhorn and is like, we're not fucking going anywhere. Get back in the club. And he talked everybody to go back into the club. Wow. And the police were just like, all right, we're going to go. But that's a moment it tied to a, this film that is tied part to of history, yeah. queer history. Yeah. So th- That's really cool. I've never heard that story. I'm glad you just told it. Uh, but this is why I picked this movie. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I'm finding here that the, the, the cool thing about this movie is it brings up history. Mm-hmm our lives, the lives of those in our community, and um, how a movie can make you talk about more than a movie. Yes. You know, because we really haven't talked about the movie. Not yet. But we're talking about everything in the sense of what a movie can do to push the community forward and to make you think about the past. Because I think a lot of people today, especially younger folks, I feel like have a tendency to forget where we came from Mm -hmm. and like how hard the struggle has been. And like even our age group, we haven't seen the shit some people have yeah. seen. And all of these things happened. Like, and I, you know, because I wasn't there, there will be minor details that I, I may get incorrect despite all the research I've done. So Miss X or Philip, if you're listening, I, I, <laughs> please correct me if you're out there. But I do know by and large the major beats of this movie and the fact that these things happened. And it's just like the idea that like the police came to be like, no, no, too many gays. Yeah, you're having too you much have fun. You all have to go. Yeah. For what? For a, a drag movie. Right. Really? Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, to discuss the movie, uh, would you care to summarize in brief without spoilers? I guess, like, no, sort of talk. We, we can we can spoil in this discussion, just not tea time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, fine. Also, is is this movie spoilable? At all? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm trying to be respectful of the <coughs> filmmakers. And yeah, the, and so the, the audience that it may have not seen it. Okay, yeah, before exactly. this part of this conversation, you can watch the movie, which at the time of recording is streaming on Amazon Prime. Yes, very true. And YouTube. Oh, you can watch I, it on YouTube. Oh, with yeah, several I, commercial breaks, but oh, that that makes it better. Honestly, yes. I love old commercials. And I do think Troma was the ones who put it up there. I will say this. Uh, you know, I, I know that Troma get has been hit over the years for you know various you know questions of like political correctness but when this movie came out uh, Lloyd and Troma came in at the tail end of it the movie was pretty much completed and they, they picked it up for distribution when nobody else would because he saw this sort of like ragtag group of uh, artists and he knew that no one was going to distribute queer cinema and they decided to take this movie on and they took it to Sundance and they took it to Cannes. So it's like how how responsible would you say is Vegas in Space for the birth of the new queer cinema movement in the early 90s? Well, the the crucial year of the new queer cinema movement was 1991. That's the year that Poison comes out. Uh, that's the year. Go fish. Uh, it's around there. I mean, like it's like ninety one, ninety two. There's like this big glut. Yep. Uh, Tom Kalen's swoon, uh, but Vegas in Space is was at Cannes and Sundance with uh, Poison, Swoon, uh, Edward the Second, Derek Jarman's Edward the oh Second. Uh, it was just like a boom, boom, boom. Yeah. But they were the drag movie. How was the? How was it received? And they were still marginalized as a result of being the drag. Mm-hmm. Movie. And there were queer filmmakers at that festival who tried to distance themselves from 
the filmmakers of Vegas and Space because at the time they were still trying to be like we're making serious art right. and you made this silliness right but as we know with cult cinema it finds its place and it sometimes is a better thumbprint of a moment in time Absolutely. than like the, the pretentious art is when you can see through that film you can see just the evolution of drag in the last 30 years like I watch RuPaul's Drag Race and see looks that I'm like Absolutely. this was wholesale borrowed from Queens from <laughs> Paris is burning yeah. Vegas and space absolutely. I feel the like, coquettes I feel yeah. like Nueva Gabor's uh, green look okay. was <laughs> absolutely Dr. Seuss uh, yeah, I mean <laughs> Dr. Seuss fantasy I can't take credit for that I was watching it with someone and they were like I think Dr. Seuss was inspired they were like, they were like, <laughs> they were like Grinch but make it fashion <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Honestly, and I've never said this when discussing the, the movie at all, but every time I see Tippy, who plays Princess Angel, I always think uh, <laughs> that there is some definite inspiration for the Gaga to come. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, definitely. I, yeah, I can see some Gaga looks straight out of that. Absolutely, and I think inspiration's a great thing. It's yeah. only when people don't embrace that they were inspired by something is right. when it becomes problematic. Yeah. But like, why wouldn't you watch that movie and go, holy shit, this is amazing. Right. I yeah. want that. I it's, want to look like, I mean, some of the looks on there, y- 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 absolutely, Mark, you've seen them repeated on Drag Race mm-hmm. over and over and over again. I mean, I, every other person that walked by is like, is that Willem? Is that Willem? <laughs> <laughs> and then you're just like, oh, wait, it was like 1985. But, um, so it took eight years to make. Was that including, I know that the shoot was over a course of 18 months, I think I read. So was six and a half of those other six and a half years spent trying to raise funds for the film? Yeah, I think there was, there was the situation of raising <coughs> funds for the film. Uh, it, most, of, most of the principal photography took place over a shorter amount of time. Okay. But then you know, most of them were not uh, working normal jobs. So they had to bring in money when they could to finish the movie. Okay. Uh, Philip Ford, uh, the director, famously talks about how uh, Doris Fish was uh, yeah Doris Amazing. Doris is definitely legendary in drag circles uh, and Doris would came up with a lot of the ideas that that this movie you know she came to Philip like we're gonna do this and Doris worked many different jobs over the course of the making of the movie and one of the stories that Philip talks about is like that she was a very uh, handsome man out of drag and mm-hmm. she would go and turn tricks. And so, like, she would, like, answer the phone and be like, oh, yeah, five, $5 uh, $10, ten inches, you know, I'll just give me a bar. And you'd, like, go out, <laughs> and here's some money, more money for the movie. And, you know, at the wow. time, they didn't think anything because they wanted to make this fucking movie. And they were going to do anything they could. Uh, Doris also had a very, like, popular moment in time where she modeled for greeting cards that were, like, distributed nationwide. Ugh, wish uh, I had some. I do. <laughs> of course um, you don't. Maybe you'll be so kind enough as, as to share some. Images. I have a crate of them, and they're from the Christmas season. And like every every once in a while, I'll break them out and send wow. a, send one or two cards during the holiday season. Oh, uh, that's lovely. Uh, but the um, I can. That led to uh, Doris actually getting kind of like a moment of acclaim where she ended up on a talk show in Pittsburgh where she, uh, and you can find this on YouTube, it's very fascinating because she's in full drag and you've got this blue collar Steel City audience. And I used to live in Pittsburgh, uh, so you know I, I say this with love, but like they, they grew a lot in the inter- intervening years uh, where they're just like, you know, who's this degenerate? What a freak. And they're like, 
you know, what would you, do you want children to, to grow up and be like you? And she's like, I think all children should do drag. You know, it's like, and it's just like watching that in 1980, whatever, is so fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's like so yeah. punk in a lot yeah. of ways, yeah. too, because it's like just the courage to do mm-hmm. something like that. Wait, so what was the question? I, I was just like, Doris Fish, blah, blah, blah. Eight years yeah. to make the movie. Yeah. Uh, and then there were finishing, and obviously, so, you know, they all uh, had kind of their own trajectories. Uh, Philip, by I'm sure he wouldn't mind my saying, had a, uh, a situation where he had some substance abuse problems in the years following the movie, where he actually lost some of his other films out of a storage unit because he just was out of it, and they they came and took everything. So like they had made short films and things that got lost to uh, time, and uh, somebody else like eventually found them and returned them to him. Oh, good, he got them back. Uh, uh, but so he was dealing with that. You know, Doris was was making money where he could. They could. They were doing shows to raise money. Uh, and then of course, AIDS happened. I mean, you know, not mm-hmm. not to like bring bring the party down, but uh, by the time the movie premieres in 1991, uh, essentially they had gotten the funds to finish it. Uh, they had gotten a festival um, booking, and Philip was able to tell Doris that they were going to be playing at a festival. Uh, but she died before the film premiered <sighs> at the Castro, uh, so she never actually saw the completed film. Mm-hmm. And Tippy died two weeks later. Oh man! And uh, because they were like they were like mother daughter, yeah, weren't they? Yeah. There's such a history behind the film too, like just in the sense of like what was going on at the time as they were making it. Like over the course of eight years, a lot of shit went down. Yeah, you know that you can look at through the context of the film, like what like when we were doing this in '87, this was going on, like. It's really interesting because usually a lot of films are, they're made, they're abandoned, you know, right. they're made and they're released and you're just making a movie. But really, at the end of the day, they were living history as they were making a movie, which is pretty great. Yeah, and it's rare to have a movie. I mean, any queer movie made during that era is uh, is a, a moment in history. As you said, it is making history. But like, there are few films that actually you can chart the history mm. And I think that that's what makes it so singularly important in in the queer canon, up for many other reasons. But it's just like the idea that like they began it almost a decade before, and you can look at the trajectory and the sociology and the culture of both a city that was was kind of like the queer escape, and a larger kind of gay discussion that was happening, uh, to the fact that. They take it to Sundance and no one wanted a drag movie. And a year later, an Australian film about drag is celebrated because it was subversive and pushing buttons. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really, I think, both a, a fascinating and sort of sad postscript to this movie is the idea that, you know, at, at Sundance, you know, they've they've got Todd Haynes, Todd, uh, Tom Kalin, you know, and... and all of them sort of turning their nose up at this movie because, uh, and, and no disrespect to any, I don't know personally if they actually did, but certainly the independent film movement was not kind to this particular movie. They much, they were much more in favor of movies like Swoon or, um, what was the other one? Uh, Poison. Poison. Yeah, Edward the Second. And because those films were overtly, or sort of more mainstream political, in terms of stating a lot of male sort of a point of view, I'm not going to express this very well, but hear me out. But like expressing very male kind of uh, a, a pleas for um, tolerance or for visibility or acceptance, 
all the while completely ignoring the fact that to spend eight years during the 80s for a group of drag queens who are facing down, like you said, poverty, disease, and serial killers. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that they are devoting all their money and time to trying to finish a film that is unabashedly light and joyous and frivolous right. in the best way possible is its own act of revolution. Absolutely. I do I do want to put a, an asterisk on the serial killer thing because that's a new uh, bit of information that I just learned. Uh, last time I saw Philip Ford, he had mentioned a situation where one of the leads had a significant other who was killed Jesus by a, uh, a, a famed murderer in San Francisco. That was It's called the Pink Tarantula Murders. You can Google it. I don't know much more beyond that because it was sort of like one of these things where their lives were just so crazy that it was just like Philip was like, yeah, that happened. And then he like started telling me some other story. And I was like, that's <laughs> – but that's just like the moment they lived in was just so vibrant and wild and it, it – they didn't, I think, view it as extreme because they were just trying to create a new world for themselves yeah. in the face of a world that was reacting against them, which is, I think, also why they kept kind of coming up against some of this other stuff. But if that makes sense, I don't know. No, I, I, <laughs> um, no, I think it makes perfect sense and also you know, sort of – Gay male, gay male misogyny, mm-hmm. sort of sidelining this project as you know, I don't know. It's um, it really is. It's it's humbling to look at the film just on its own as just this sort of handmade fingerprints all over the made yep. truly made with love. It reminds There's, me of like of Mister Rogers. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah no, it's like, utterly it's Mister yeah. Rogers for you know drug addled gay people. Queers. <laughs> 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 Yeah, you know, and the funny thing is, is Mr. Rogers' whole like world of imagination existed inside of his house. Like when you watch that show, like the Leander Make mm-hmm. Believe is inside of his wall. Which, by the way, when I was a kid, I was this is how you knew I was always going to be in, like interested in freakish, bizarre things. When that trolley went in the wall, like and you're just like, oh, the Leander Make Believe, and that lady like that talks to the puppets. I'm like, mm-hmm. does Mr. Rogers have a lady in his wall? <laughs> like I remember like being like real bothered by it. I was like, all these puppets sound exactly like him with a high pitched voice, and there's a woman. <laughs> Trapped inside the wall. Yeah, no. There's a lady who's like looking at that little cat yeah. puppet, and she's like, meow, 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 right. meow, meow. And just like, oh, meanwhile, shit. like one of the greatest human beings who ever lived. Yeah, like I, I still like as a as a kid was just like, I'm I'm concerned. Uh, <laughs> but no, like so. It's your imagination. Yeah, but so uh, the entire almost the entirety of uh, Vegas in space was. Uh, Shot inside of Doris Fish's apartment, they constructed all of the outer space. Just going to ask you that, yeah, uh, inside of her her place. I have uh, physically gone to see the building just because I had to know. Yeah, uh, and I work in San Francisco enough that like one day I, I was in the neighborhood and I was like, oh yeah, the cross streets are here. It's just like. If we decided to be to make Star Wars in this room that we're recording in, this gay club that that you first saw your drag show at, yes, here here in Champaign, yeah. Illinois, yeah, Champaign-Urbana. beautiful yeah. Champagne Urbana. It's a lot like the Blumhouse Conference. Birthplace of Roger Ebert too. Yes, mm-hmm. it's oh. true. And nay, and nay, and now, nay, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to go on the record and say that I <coughs> rewound and cackled. Uh, <laughs> At the line, and furthermore, blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved all like the fun TV work. Oh yeah, where it was like I could, be, I would like literally be watching. Like, is that supposed to be a TV? 
or is, is it supposed to be a person just in a box? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, this is amazing. I love not knowing for sure. <laughs> but I also love the stuff that they would time with the actual television. Oh, yeah. Like putting on the makeup and stuff. And I was like, that's like pretty brilliant because mm-hmm. it's not easy to do. And these are untrained actors, right? Like, and they're like doing these scenes where they're following a TV. And mirroring it, it just, I just thought it was fun. Well, even though I've seen this movie a number of times, I rewatched it and, uh, just you know, in, in honor of, of coming to talk about it. And I always just crack up. Like, there's so many just, like, great lines. You know, the crimes of fashion. Glamour first, glamour last, glamour always. And I just, I don't know. I think it's just, there's something so delicious about it in, in the way that it does feel like a great midnight movie. It has, it has... That that subversive edge uh, that Rocky does, and that John Waters, uh, Rocky Horror, not Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Although, if if you Esteemed want gay classic Rocky, <laughs> though I gotta uh, tell you, you if you want, if you want to jump right into the world of a camp classic, you can't go wrong with Rocky Four. Oh yeah, yeah that's I, I don't camp. know that people know I've that Sylvester seen. Stallone single handedly uh, camp ended the Cold War. Yes, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He no. traveled to the you Soviet. Changed. And I could change. change. Wow. We all could change. <laughs> and then, and then for some, then oh all, my god! Then all, then Did you not know that? No, yeah. did not expect that from me. No, and I was not ready for your amazing, <laughs> amazing delivery. And by the way, it's so true, and that's exactly how it happens. He's in the UK, delivers the speech, USSR, all, uh, the USSR. Yeah, that's right. And all of the Russian people are just like, USA, yeah. USA. It's oh, like, and that was oh, it. Oh, Ronald Reagan wishes. Uh, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, my God. The trailer for Your Creed 2, Your Republican faith could never. <laughs> Did everyone see uh, the trailer for Creed 2? No. Michael B. Jordan has no shirt on like during most of it. I, I mean, not mad. Oh, my God. He's so beautiful. I love how this was all based on a party. Um, based on a party by ginger quest may be in fact one of the greatest uh credits in the opening sequence of a film ever uh i will also throw down in the opening credits uh the love theme from vegas in space is like one of my favorite lounge jams ever i just love that song with the like (laughs) yes um but yeah i guess it really was they, they frequently had uh themed parties and um i guess there there was a vegas in space party after the vegas in the toilet yes there's a vegas in the toilet party (laughs) um and i guess there was an episode of buck rogers in the 25th century uh the tv show that the name of the episode was vegas in space and and phillips convinced that uh ginger just well she was just like i like that title and we're gonna create a party after it interesting uh and you know, I think I think that that's accurate, but I remember him talking about that. Um, yeah, based on a party, and then you know, eight years later, a movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm also a fan of the fact that the credits featured uh, an actor, uh, a performer named Jennifer Blowdryer. Yes, that was my favorite. <laughs> I was trying to think of that. The, the it, it has a kind of like. I, it, like a, an anti-wit, like Karen from Finance. Kind <laughs> yeah. of. But it's like, like so it, genius. Yeah, like it's so Karen just thudding. <laughs> it's so Karen like in it's, HR. Yeah. If I'm <laughs> not mistaken, uh, Jennifer Blowdryer is uh, is, a, <laughs> is a bio queen who had a punk band. Uh, this woman who had a punk band or and called sti- the Blowdryers. Yeah. yeah, and she's still uh, out there I, I, as Blow far Dryer. as I know. I hope yeah. so. I hope uh, so. I love that. I have I, a question. Oh. Yeah. Does everyone have a drag name? No. 
Yes. I have my WeHo name. Is what is, is that just your name? name? Okay. Well, you know how like in WeHo a lot of guys like the a guy I named Joe will spell his name like J E O U X. Oh no. <laughs> I know a guy named Matt that changed his spelling to M H A T. What? Really? Yes. I've never heard of this. So, so mine is Michael, M Y Q U E L L E. Okay. Oh, that's that's Michael cute. Genevieve. Like, <laughs> like Nyquil? Michael. <laughs> okay. Just okay, wow, wait. Michael. So, Michael Nay, what's your stripper name? Big Bang Theory. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> and, Michael, what's your drag name? Okay. I do have to set it up briefly. Um, in 2010, I went on uh, the road with Peaches Christ while she was touring her movie All About Evil, and I was mm-hmm. writing a travel log for her while oh we were doing it. Uh, and uh, sh- one of Peach's things is that everybody who is part of her ensemble has to have a drag name, whether you're in drag or not. And Perfect. We, we had not yet found mine, and we were in New York City, uh, and there was this all-night diner that had, it was like 3 in the morning, because we would always eat after the show, and most of the shows began at midnight. And there was this all-night, all-night diner that had like in this terrible Comic Sans font. It was like, tonight only, Waffles Extravaganza. Oh my God, please <laughs> tell me. <laughs> And I lost my shit. I was just like, what the fuck is even... And then Peaches was like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. That's your name. That's you. (laughs) (laughs) Waffles extravaganza. (laughs) Mark, do you have a drag name? I I know you just said no, but have you thought of one? No, I don't have... Gasoline Dion. Oh, I thought... (laughs) You already... You're a genius. Do you want to hear my drag name? Yes. yes. Gretchen Wieners. Oh, <laughs> I get it. Okay, well, that's exactly the response I was hoping for. You can oh, sit I get with it. Us. You can sit with us. Do anyway. you have gold hoop earrings? Always. Good. I have them on right now. Yeah, no, they're fabulous. <laughs> they're just underneath the headphones. <laughs> could you imagine wearing gold hoop earrings? Okay, sorry. Yes, I'll, I'll retreat, but we still haven't talked about the plot of Vegas in space. Okay, sure. Quick. Yeah, and that's probably my fault because, like, every time something happens, I'm like, and this delicious bit of history happened. Yeah, no, I love it. No, that's what the meat That's, yeah, where the, that's uh, the best. I think that's so valuable, and I can't watch you talk about that on YouTube. Oh. So. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and it's just so exciting to me to talk about. And that's why, like, you know, of all the movies to come on uh, this show and share with the Blumhouse audience and the Queer Wolf audience, uh, yeah, discover some drag. Yes, let me take the plot. Um, <laughs> as, as Michael's just like, yes, I believe in queer history. Uh, <laughs> Vegas in space uh, is a uh, strange trip to a planet without men. It's actually the tagline of the film. Heaven? Uh, Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever that was, Themyscira. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. There's the crossover that I need. Um, in Vegas and Space, what it is is there's this sort of like uh, space force that works for the Empress of Earth. And uh, they discover that this pleasure, there, there's a planet in space called, uh, that is a pleasure planet, the planet Clitoris. And um, <laughs> Sorry, could you repeat that again? The planet Clitoris. Oh, thank you. Thank You're welcome. You. And uh, the Empress of Clitoris <laughs> believes that there are uh, some nefarious deeds going on, including the heisting of her precious gems, the Gerlinium gems. <laughs> and the, uh, so the Empress of Earth, as a favor to the Empress of Clitoris, sends her, her <laughs> space soldiers, but they can't go to the planet unless they change sex. So th- this is when they become drag queens, and they go, and then they just have this sort of madcap Barbarella adventure on uh, the surface of clitoris, and it's it, <laughs> it's 
so great. Yeah, and it's uh, and it's primary city Vegas, which is like the pleasure center of the universe, where people come and like you know just live glamorous lives. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, be gener- to be generally amazing. Oh my god, yeah. is Vegas the clitoris of the United States? No, it's not. <laughs> no. Mm. But where is it's like it's somewhat like it's somewhere that. Most people can't find. Can't find yeah, it's like, it's like Dubuque, <laughs> Iowa. <or something. laughs> I like saying clitoris more than Dubuque, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Could you imagine and if like, there were flip, and like though, Dubuque, it's like clitoris, Iowa. I'm never going to yeah. go to. You had a Dubuque. <laughs> and I had a Dubuque. Clitoris Dubuque <laughs> is a good drag name too. Yeah, Dubuque clitoris. No. no. Yeah, clitoris Dubuque. Yeah, rolls off. It's the got tongue a poetry to it. Mm. Rolls off the tongue. No, I think you you have <laughs> to you have to modify <laughs> it over and over again. I think it would have to be like. Clitora Dubuque. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like Miss Continental. Mm. <laughs> Clitorati. Yeah, she got yeah, the clitor- Clitorati. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. Clitorati Varati. Mm-hmm. Oh my go. God. <laughs> yes. Who enjoys biscotti? We'll do karate. <laughs> <laughs> We've been here before. All right, American life. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> You're listening. Oh my what was God. her name? Hmm? What's her name? Clitora? From this from This American Life. Wait, isn't it Ira Glass? No, no, no I was saying because Michael oh, was oh. doing like Madonna rapping. Oh, oh American Life. Oh, oh, I'm a dummy. Anyway. Oh, I'm drinking a soy latte. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. <laughs> and I can't go further because I don't want to get she was sued. Like, she, uh. was like, <laughs> she was like, here's my new song. Enjoy my cringe break. <laughs> uh, sorry, I love Madonna, but you know. Well, come on. <sighs> Far afield. What? Everyone looked at me like I just like I didn't farted look at you at all. Into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Mark! <laughs> what? You guys looked at me like, oh my god, I can't believe he said it. <laughs> no, no. Okay. I what? look at you. I I just I receive comfort from looking at you. Aww. Okay, and so I looked over at you, and then you're hangry, so you were like. <laughs> Maybe I am. Like Nay's looking at me. But then when Nay says things like that, it's like hard because I can't hug you from all the way across oh, the table. Sweetie pie. Oh, <laughs> Papa. Right. Yeah. I die when Michael calls Mark Papa. Well, Mark yeah. usually Mark started it by calling himself Papa. That's when I think you started laughing, right? Yeah, because I'm fucking older than all of you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like a day. Anyway, we're talking about a movie, right? Yeah. yeah. What was the movie? Yeah. <laughs> Play the trailer again. Vegas in space. Uh, it's a babes only world. Um, <laughs> you know, um, one of the things that really struck me about the movie actually early on was that I was expecting nothing but drag queens, and then there was some. Sur- there were some, at least to me, at, at, on the surface, at least, uh, some cis female performers. Yeah, um, they were all. Uh, so the genesis of, of kind of the group of people who were involved in this film Sluts was a go go. Yeah, were the, they all part of that troupe. Yeah, there was this troupe okay. of drag performers called Sluts a Go Go that um, was was I think something that Doris Fish spearheaded, but it was not really necessarily to have performers in drag in the way we think of drag like as we see it on television right. today. Mm-hmm. It was more so like come and be the character that you you want to be and uh 
Was I, it a Cockettes like vibe in a sense? Yeah, like, but where it was like the line between performance and your day to day reality was like kind of blurred a little bit. Or? Yeah, I, I think there's something. There's definitely a crossover. Like from the Cockettes is birth Slets a Go Go, but like with a very more '80s punk rock sort of uh, vibe. And, right. and Philip Ford, and this is sort of the horror of it all, like the horror genre, is uh, Philip was a film student who uh, was making films. And uh, he was a big fan of Famous Monsters of Filmland. And uh, you can see a lot of like elements of, of drive-in era in Vegas and space. Like even canted angles. He was inspired by the 1966 Batman show to shoot it like that with the colors. Right. Uh, and he had, made a short, he had made a few short films, including a short film uh, called Roller Coaster to Hell, uh, which, oh God. <laughs> which plays like a... Um, everything you're saying. Yes, right? <laughs> It, it, it's like one of those like uh, Christian scare films where like Billy gets addicted to drugs and like here's <laughs> here's his like downward addicted spiral to roller coasters and uh, <laughs> that's the first time that he worked with Doris on film and Doris plays a beatnik in it like she's like there like this kind of like she's this crazy Doris. like lady and uh, so they were they really were like a West Coast dreamland yeah so they had this whole thing going on and um, for a long time. They just found like they found people and, and, and curated this whole world, and uh, essentially Doris wanted to put the world in drag. She wanted people to find th- their character because it was kind of like the truest version of who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, she. I, I don't think she was specifically concerned about the fact that like, oh, you're a gay guy, so you're going to be a drag queen. It was like you're a fabulous, you know, cis woman that like I just think is really cool, and you're a mu- musician, so like, pop on this bouffant and let's go. <laughs> and yeah, like, w- which is kind of how I w- want to live my life, you know. Yeah. I brought bouffants for everyone. Hang on. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like the one woman I loved because she kept reminding me of um, Trudy from Reno Nine One One. Oh my god! Yeah. And I love. Yeah, she like had that same just like <laughs> physical presence and movements and stuff. And yeah. that's hilarious. So great. Wonderful. So great. Yeah, I actually love that you you can't glance glance at the characters and just assume people's gender. Yeah. 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 And there's it's something great. so Rad. fierce about that. Yeah. Fuck yeah. It's, especially going back to the notion that again, like on television, in the eighties. Yeah. And then from, well, there's yeah. something great too about you don't see it very often. You see in women. In drag as men, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, uh, like that was cool mm-hmm. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, okay, they are in drag for sure. Like, yeah, you what know, is, what is it going to take for a drag king to make it onto RuPaul's Drag Race, and why has that not happened yet? Like, why is Murray Hill or like that's a question for RuPaul Charles? You can tweet him at <laughs> RuPaul. No, Michael, you <laughs> tell me. You tell me. No, sorry, I'm just like I'm just, I'm just sort of like wondering apropos of. Nothing, but it. it but no, sometimes it's, I find myself like wondering, like, well, why, why, why is that? Not? It's a good question. I think uh, one of the cool things about my sort of uh, initiation into the world of drag, working with the queens and drag performers that I did and do, was uh, most of my my interaction came via San Francisco. So like later, I, I you know started working with people like Peaches and Heclina and Lady Bear, and I remember like going to this the Stud, which is a bar in San Francisco, and they would have they had this party, the something party. And every week it's something evil, something fun, something cool. 80s. Mm. And so, like, you have to fit the theme. And the performers there, you know, they were all drag performers, but they weren't necessarily men doing gender illusion. There were bio queens and, you know, uh, it, it was just all about this is my character. This is who I am and this is what I'm doing. And so I remember later being in Pittsburgh and asking if there were any uh, – 
faux queens or bio queens or whatever the term you want. And they're like, what's that? I'm like, well, it's, a, it's a, a cis woman who performs in drag. And they were like, well, why? And I'm like, why the fuck not? Yeah. Well, isn't really any performance, if you think about it at the end of the day, actors, TV, all Lady it's, it's drag Gaga. one way or another. You're, you're doing something that isn't you, yeah. like, in a way. Lady Gaga is a drag queen. Right. Elvira like, is a drag queen. Absolutely. Yeah. Paul Rubens as Pee Wee Herman is a drag. drag queen. I've said it on my show. I'll say it on yours. Robert England as Freddy Krueger is a drag character because he's not just wearing makeup. He puts that on and he becomes a whole other person. He, Preach. He, <laughs> he, Preach. he fucking Ethel Merman's his way through Elm Street. Oh <laughs> my God. And puns, puns, like, puns. Delish. Yeah. yeah, it's like all pun camp wet. Like, girl, yeah, place. Welcome to primetime, bitch. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's like... He's really giving a RuPaul's Drag Race yeah. performance. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's great. God bless Mr. England. Oh. <laughs> May God preserve him. Yes. <laughs> um, He's donned the outfit one more time. Yeah, for the Goldbergs. For the Goldbergs. Yeah, and that's a you know that's a Farrah flip wig if ever I saw one on the her, not on him. On money, <laughs> yeah. Clinton Kobe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love her. Um, I, what I think in the end, like the, what really. I found incredibly moving. I mean, just Vegas in space on its own is incredibly diverting and hilarious and just kind of eye-popping in its uh, style choices, its sets, its costumes, just all the care and love that went into it. But at the same time, it really is just such a document of like a time and a place that are no longer. Um, you know, Peaches hosted a Midnight Mass of Final Girls a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had a nice turnout and everything was fine. But uh, I remember going to Midnight Mass six, seven, eight years ago for a Teen Witch screening. And it was crazy. People were dressed up. I mean, they were all dressed up as Robin Lively or, you know, anybody. Right. And for Final Girls, uh, you know, Peaches had announced a costume contest comes your favorite, you know, Final Girl or like, you know, victim or like whatever. And one person showed up dressed up. And even Peaches had a moment where she just sort of like put down the mic for a second and then she put it back up and she looked at the audience. She said, fuck, man, this town's changed. Yeah. Mm. And it was really like, and I was like, oh, God, yeah, it is. And and even just going to San Francisco periodically mm-hmm. and seeing just, it's not, it is um, it is a company town now more than ever. And it's um, it's it's really, I'm so grateful that you picked Vegas in space to like, Remind remind us of how inherently punk it is to be who we are. Well, I think what you're talking about, too, is the loss of queer spaces, which yeah. is something that plagues the queer community a lot. Thank you for saving me from my, um, <laughs> my this, this delicious bowl of word salad that I'm No, no, <laughs> I, I, think, I, think, I, I think what you said was very poignant, and I think that when, when you talk about the loss of queer space, it's like, you know, you're right. You know, going to San Francisco is not the same as even going eight years ago. But in West Hollywood, in West West Hollywood, because it's just the the changing tide. We have to our community is going to have to change with it. It's like we can bemoan the past, but queer space. I think for those of us who celebrate movies and like find ourselves in movies, which is why this continued discussion of queer identity intersecting with this like interest in genre films, yes, uh, is so important because. 
it proves that queer spaces aren't necessarily physical right. buildings. They're not tangible. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. ideas and they're things that move. And like, you know, Vegas in space, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the show. There is like a really crazy horror movie dream sequence in this movie that like falls very into genre. So there is horror in it. But like, we, as you mentioned, it's maybe not necessarily like traditionally a horror film the way that other people talk about horror films. But it is what we would consider a cult movie. Mm. And that term gets thrown around a lot. But what it, at its very foundations, when you talk about a cult movie, whether it's Rocky Horror, whether it's Showgirls, whether it's Teen Witch, whether it's Vegas in Space, it's a movie that has created a community because a cult is a community in this, this place. And people find each other because of it. And I think that's like, you know, Rocky Horror proved it more than any, you know, in a time where like all, all the freaks and weirdos and gay kids and theater kids and, you know, anybody who didn't feel like they were part of something, all of a sudden this movie is playing at midnight. And it's like, did you hear down, you know, at this place? And like, they, they let us do this and we can do this. And like, don't dream it, be it. Yeah, but that can be any fucking movie if you find your people. Right. Because that is our queer space now. That's where it's at. Like, buildings go away, but how art affects you is what you take with you, and that moves with you wherever you go. I went went to a midnight screening of Pink Flamingos last summer. That, I remember sitting in the theater being like, holy shit, this is our our crew. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like all 700, 1,000 people, wherever it was at the, um, fuck, what's the name of the theater on, like, it's the one C, it's uh, the classic theater. The new art? Vista. Oh, the Vista. Yeah. Um, Where Ed Wood used to have his office upstairs. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, you're like, you're sitting there watching this and you're watching the crowd trickle in and you're mm-hmm. watching the crowd trickle out and you're just like, fuck, I'm home. Well, that's you know? why Peaches called it Midnight Mass. It's not just the Peaches Christ thing. When you go see those movies, you're going to church. You're, right. Yeah, you are worshiping at the altar of the movie that made you. You're really smart, mm-hmm. Michael. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. <laughs> We're pretty lucky to have Michael Variety joining us today. <laughs> But yeah. I have a really good, really easy question for all of you. Okay. okay. Does this movie get a pride flow? Oh, mm-hmm. well, n- no. <laughs> no. It gets seven. I mean, it is a pride float. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it like invented it's a whole pride parade. floats. So, Michael, we like to discuss pride floats at the end of all right, talk, talk to me about our uh, show and, dis- and decide if the film gets a pride float, A, when it was made, and B, currently. Mm-hmm. Clearly, this movie gets one all the then and now. We then proceed to describe the pride float. You get to take the honors today. What would your pride float for this film look like? I mean, it's got to be the cityscape. Yes, thank you. I was just thinking that. It's got to (laughs) be that that model cityscape uh, that they used in the movie where like the little UFOs on strings go over. Freaking lipsticks and like the makeup. As yes. buildings They're with drag queens and guys <laughs> in like thongs with um, fishing rods flying ships. little right. ships <laughs> over the cityscape. No, I would love to see a Vegas in space pride float. I will. I will say that you, you know this movie is still is has an audience and it's still finding an audience, which is kind of amazing. And I uh, mentioned this before we went on air, and I, I, I do think it, it's it's fun to point out just because out of serendipity she had no idea that I was coming to talk about this movie. But uh, I was on set today, and I had to rush over here to make sure that I made it on time. Thank you. And it, well, no, no, it's more <laughs> L.A. traffic. It had nothing to do with this. Uh, and in between, I, I received a message from Miss X. Oh. Uh, and Miss X plays Queen Veneer in the movie. And, um, oh. 
And uh, Miss X uh, now lives in Arizona. And uh, I had posted something about Vegas a while ago, and, and X had just seen it. And she said, you know, oh, my God, this made my day. It was really cool. And I told her that I was coming to do this. And oh, she cool. was just like so excited. And she told me, she's like, well, you know, she's like, they're uh, screening it somewhere near here soon. And I'm going to go and introduce the movie. And I get to talk about it. And That's she, and so she, great. And she said, what? she was like, I feel like this movie even though we couldn't have never guessed, she said it did exactly what Doris and I and Philip had hoped it would do, is that it found its people. And it continues to find its people. And one of the things that I'm very happy about is that I, uh, in celebrating this movie, I've gotten to know Miss X, and I know Philip very well uh, as well. And I've, I've said this in other interviews, that I really, really value both of them, and I value my friendships and conversations with them because not only are they amazing artists and like just crazily, cra- crazily, I, I write for a living, <laughs> but, um, but but you know, crazy talented and just you know, I think trailblazers. Uh, and but they also share this history that's their history. I mean, I you know, I sit and soak it in like this is like our queer history, and they're like this this is our lives, right? Yeah. And. Uh, you know, I just value that, and they're 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 amazing. And to me, you know, they're also as long as they're in the world, they're the pride float too. Oh, like, that's great! Oh, yeah. That's a so, great way to put it. Yeah. It's kind of cool that their journey is still going on thirty five years later yeah. with the film as well. Are you just gonna like knock your mic over yeah. after saying that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Drop it. Let's you cut that. Drop the mic. You just won. Does the Doris have a grave that can be visited? I don't know. Um, well, actually, I don't think she does. If my, if memory serves, uh, Doris is from Australia. Oh, okay. And when she uh, passed away, her remains were sent back to her family. Mm-hmm. And if anyone knows otherwise, there is a man out there who is writing uh, a biography on Doris Fish, and he's traveled the world and talked to his uh, to uh, Doris's family. Um, and it's coming out. I know that uh, he's still looking for a publishing imprint to put it out. So if anyone's out there listening and wants to uh, preserve queer history about the drag queen who would have painted her eyeballs if she could, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> actual quote. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I, but if I remember from him, and if I'm wrong, I hope you know he he could correct me that uh, either she was cremated and her remains were sent back to Australia or the body was sent back to Australia and she's buried there. So that would be... Uh, gotcha. Good question. Yeah. Well, gosh. Uh, uh, yes. This, this, was, this was such an amazing wow. trip yeah. through... It really was. History, ...indie cinema history. Michael, thank you so much. Thank you yeah. so yeah. much, oh my God, Michael. Thank you. I, uh, I'll just always feel like when this movie comes up, I just kind of like... <gasps> Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so I apologize if no. I just oh, that's so perfect. Take it back. It's a it's a movie that I'm very passionate about, obviously. So thank you for uh, letting me come and talk about it with with the Queer Wolf family. Yeah. And uh, where can we find your show online? Uh, Dead for Filth is available wherever podcasts are sold. No, you can. Uh, we're on <laughs> we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, as uh, well as the Reverie app. Uh, I also uh, you can follow us at Dead for Filth. You can follow me at Michael Verati. That's V is in Victor A R R A T I. And I actually can uh, say that I'm doing a other horror show right now called History of Fright that I'm doing uh, with Skybound, who created The Walking Dead. That I'm on camera hosting. Did I see nice. a screen yes. grab from that today? Yeah, yeah, and, that looked really great. And every week I'm doing a uh, a little segment about the history of horror. Like I talk about, I think by the time this comes out, uh, we'll have done episodes of Frankenstein, and I talk about how Mary Shelley kept her husband's uh, disembodied heart after he died, which Ooh. is true. Who among us? Yeah, she was the uh, OG cool. goth queen. Um, <laughs> 
you know, just how George Romero used zombies as a mechanism to discuss social change. Uh, Carmilla being the OG lesbian vampire who even, uh, you know, predates Dracula in terms of gothic queerness. Uh, yeah, so I just, you know, That's I'm great, always Michael. talking about this stuff and I love it. So find me and I'll talk to you about it too, at yes, length, as you can Michael see. Online. So, he's yeah. a wealth of knowledge. He's very funny. He's very personable and he's very kind. And he's also just a terrific person. Yeah. Thank, Thank you so much. Mm. Can't wait to talk shit about him on the mic. Just kidding. I just want to say, while all of you are giving your respective social media handles, mm-hmm. we did miss shady summaries. So if you had one prepared, you can just kind of slip Flip it in there as you're talking about your social medias, or do we just not have that? I anymore? mean, mine would just be yeah. girls just want to have fucking fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the place I want to move to. <laughs> uh-huh. you know, when in clitoris? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, great. What's Thank stay? you. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, well, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Black Cupcake B L A K K C U P C A K E. What's your art Insta? And my, my <laughs> Every, my, week. every week. Every week. Uh, my art Insta is Gaudy Los Angeles, G A U D Y Los Angeles. Look at that. It's good stuff. You can find me, Michael Kennedy, at Michael Kenken on Twitter. And my Russian bot Instagram account is at Michael Kenken1. And that is Michael Kenken and the number one. Nay says it looks like a Russian bot Instagram account. <laughs> no, you've been posting. Yeah, it looks better. Yeah. In the beginning, it was like, who is this creep? I mean, you did slip into my DMs and offer me diet pills, but you know, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Mm. Um, <laughs> my mm. name is Mark. You can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Senior Teenager and on Insta at Senior Teen. And Brennan. Yeah, I'm going to tell you where you can find the show, but first, just. We cannot afford to fail. The safety of the whole universe depends upon you <laughs> and you. It really does. Don't stop dancing. That's how you can best save the universe. Just keep, that's your mantra for the week. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at QuirrelPod, and you can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Brands. Thank you so it's much again, Michael. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.